think of is Christmas trees. Like when you see people start to put their lights up, it like gets you really excited. There's like all this anticipation, and I almost like the anticipation better, like waiting for Christmas. Then um, being able to focus on the Christ child, and even like looking at a major scene that we have, you know, just set up in the house as decoration, and just looking at that and focusing on it, and remembering that. This is not just about the commercial part of Christmas, that it's about the fact that my Savior came and He came as a baby. Well, good morning, Union Chapel. How are we doing this morning? Make some noise if you're awake and alive. All right. You passed the test to be in church, so way to go. Hey, uh, my name is Jeff Hughes, and I serve as the Connections Pastor here, and I'm excited to bring us this second message in the Hometown series, and if this name of this series has you kind of wondering, what is that about? It's this whole idea that this world is not our home. Go ahead and say that. This world is not my home. That's so true. Well, who here has seen those uh, TV bloopers and practical jokes shows? Anybody seen those where, where they've got a guy and the guy just ends up feeling really awkward or stupid because there's some kind of a practical joke played on him? There's cameras hidden all around him. You've seen these, right? Through the years, there's been a number of them. One of them was punked, and then there was the way old one that was actually called TV's bloopers and practical jokes. Well, you've probably seen these, but have you ever felt like you were on the show? It happened to me this last Monday morning. I was sitting over in my office in the other building and I was working on this message, you know, for the Thanksgiving holiday here, getting some things all squared away with what I'm gonna talk about this morning. And the people around me, and then the offices that share walls next to my office. I will not name names, but they must have been having a crazy Monday morning party because all I heard was just laughing and jokes and all kinds of crazy stuff. Folks need to get to work over there. Seriously, they do. And so I thought, okay, I'm not going to be able to focus very well. So I grabbed, I have this little Bluetooth earbuds. They're just cheap little knockoff ones. And so I, I put those in my ear. I grabbed my phone, put on some music and, and begin to like connect. You've seen this before. If you've tried to connect anything Bluetooth and, and the, the crazy thing was, is I usually hear music. But what I was hearing was this uh, robotic voice on there that was saying, connected, disconnected, connected, disconnected, pairing another device. And it just kept going on and on and on. I wanted to take these earbuds and just throw them across the room and move on with my day. But as soon as I took them out, guess what happened? One of those wonderful Muncie trains. Yeah, that's right. If you've been around Muncie for a while, you know we have these trains that like to stop on tracks. And right over here, we had a train that was just stopped. And I think they were doing some testing on the whistle that day because it just kept going and going. I thought, this is not going well for me. This is not good. So I thought, well, I'll try the Bluetooth earbuds again. I take the Bluetooth earbuds. I put them in, trying to connect again. And it does. It connects. And so I'm like, yes. Only the problem was it did not connect to the music playing on my phone. It connected to some other device and it had this really loud, crazy music going off in my ears. And I just thought, what is going on? I'm like looking at my plant to see if there's a camera. You know, I'm trying to figure out who's playing a joke on me. Come to find out it had synced up with my iPad, which was in my bag across the room. And apparently last time I listened to music on my iPad, I was in a grooving mood because it was really uh, bumping music. And so I'm like, what is going on? Finally, 
disconnect that, get my, my calm, uh, thinking music on, uh, so I could finish this sermon on distractions. <laughs> oh, God has a funny sense of humor, doesn't he? I just thought, man, I'm being punked right now. This is crazy. Uh, so today we're going to talk about distractions and letting go uh, of them. And today I, I want us to dive into what God has to say to us. So I just encourage you to just open your hearts and maybe if there is a distraction in your mind, just to push it aside in these next few minutes. I did some research and looked at the word distraction. Where did this come from? It's actually a Latin word uh, originated around 1590. And the word literally means pulling apart to separate or, or pulling apart. Uh, how many of you uh, maybe feel like that describes the state of your mind at times? It's just separated, it's pulled apart by distractions all the time. Uh, a drawing of the mind in different directions was one of the definitions. And I thought, yeah, that, that's me. It's, I'm just all over that at times. And so um, in your notes, you'll see a key point, And I want to just dive in and let you see this right now. Uh, here it is. Your enemy, the devil would like nothing more than to divide your mind, discourage your soul, disengage your faith, and distract you from the purposes and the things of God. And if we can grab a hold of that to know that there is a force at work that wants to do these things, we will have already taken the first step to win the battle against him. In fact, the devil does not need to destroy us if he can distract us. Did you get that? Grab a hold of that, because I think that that's where we're going here in the next few minutes, and it'll be so helpful. Well, if you have your Bible or your mobile device, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at two sisters named Mary and Martha that perhaps you have heard of. They're hosting a dinner party, similar to the parties that many of us have hosted this week for Thanksgiving. And so I invite you to stand to your feet as we look at Luke chapter 10 together to see what Mary and Martha can teach us. We'll start in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was, what? Martha was distracted. Say the word distracted. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She, this is Martha, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work? Tell her to help me. Now I hear a little bit of tone there. In verse 41... Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, before you sit down, look somebody in the eyes and tell them, I don't want to be distracted, and then grab a seat. Here's another key point for you this morning. If you're taking notes in the message outline on paper in your bulletin or on our sermon notes on the app, the devil's distractions are destined to destroy us. The devil's distractions are destined to destroy us. I had someone tell me once that he doesn't need to make you bad if he can make you busy. I also had uh, someone, this someone was my mother, telling me in a very busy season, she said, you know, the acronym for the word busy, B-U-S-Y, it can stand for being under Satan's yoke. Oh, I felt that. 
I was in a season of life where I felt like I had weight on my shoulders. I was very busy. I was distracted. I was just moving through things. And I was encouraged by the voice of God through the lips of my mother just a little uh, while ago, a few weeks ago, in fact, when she said this to me. And I thought, man, that is so true, how we feel this weight of a yoke that would be on a farm animal on our shoulders because we're so busy. I don't want to be under Satan's yoke, and I don't think you do either. Uh, but I want us to look at Martha for just a moment. Martha is distracted by the preparations here for this feast that's going on in her home. And let me just say that sometimes Martha gets a bad rap, doesn't she? She gets a bad rap. She's preparing for Jesus. I mean, come on. My anxiety would be out the roof if Jesus was coming over to my house, okay? It's like you've got to put the casserole in the oven, you've got to get the cobbler in, the casserole out, keep the candle on the table lit, make sure the two-year-old hasn't destroyed something in the house, make sure the eight-year-old is all taking care of things and all that. And, And life is just like that. But can you just picture this moment of Mary and Martha trying to host Jesus and, and Martha comes to Jesus. And sometimes I like to read the scriptures in the tone that I think that it was, uh, what, that it was said in. And particularly if it's about a sibling relationship. So can you hear Mary and Martha? Can you hear this phrase that Martha says? She, she comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, don't you care? And you could kind of imagine that she might go on and and even in her mind, maybe it's not recorded in the text, but she might say, my lazy, no good for nothing, lousy sister is just sitting there while I do all this stuff to try to make this feast happen. Well, you all have that family member, don't you? Uh, Don't point at them, don't nudge them, but maybe you would describe them as that. And if you don't know who they are, maybe it's you. They show up at Thanksgiving and they bring an empty Tupperware container so they can take home the leftovers, right? Contributing nothing and consuming everything. You know, yeah, you've got them. Uh, So this is Mary and Martha's story. Mary's just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, just soaking it in, just chatting it up. While Martha has the side eye going on from the kitchen saying, girl, man, she's just frustrated at him. But let me pause and just say, I want to thank God for the Martha people in this world. Because without them, we probably would not eat like ever. Because the merry people in the world would realize, oh, we should feed everybody. What are we going to do? I don't know. Um, The Martha people in the world are the people who, like, they have prepared the meal, they have paid the bills so the light will stay on, they've not only bought the Christmas presents, they've wrapped the Christmas presents, they're under the tree, and the Marys of the world oftentimes don't even know what they are until they're unwrapped on Christmas Day. Can I get an amen from the Marthas? Come on, there you go, all right. So, but Martha sometimes gets a bad rap. And so I just want to want to say that it's not all her fault, but how many of us, we can relate to Martha, um, and maybe we need to be a little bit more like Mary. She comes to Jesus, she says, Lord, don't you care? I don't, don't you even care? I'm busy doing all this stuff. And then in verse 41, we see this very unusual expression of love that is bestowed upon Martha. And, and he says this, he says, Martha, Martha, you are, you are worried. You're worried about many, many things. Another version says you are distracted. You are upset about many, many things. He could have, he could have said that there are, there are only one thing 
that you should be focused on. In fact, that continues and he says, indeed, there is only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha, you've got a good heart, you've got good intentions, but you're distracted. We get distracted too, don't we? Our phones in our pockets ding, we've got a notification, we've got an email, we've got this, we've got that going on. Somebody posts a video of a cat and so now all of a sudden what we were in the middle of doing is totally uh, off off tracks. We, we post this great picture of us or our kids with the great hashtag and the great filter and we post it and so we want to go back and look and see, oh, does it have three or four likes now? Oh, it's up to five likes now. Man, I must be something special, right? And so we get distracted by all of these things in in our world that are really not that important. We think, oh, I got to do Christmas shopping and then this child has to be at soccer and this child has to be at dance and this child has to be at karate and this child who goes to karate has to have this thing. This child who goes to dance has to have that. Don't you dare get the wrong child in the wrong place with the wrong stuff or the world will stop spinning. And we're just moving, moving, moving through life so fast that we are distracted by the things that perhaps God wants us to focus on. Mary has chosen what is better. Now, there is an interesting thought here, and it's interesting to me that what Martha was doing was not bad. No, it wasn't bad. All the things that Martha was doing, they, they were good, noble things. But this is in your notes. We have to recognize that so often the most difficult choices in our life are not between good and bad. But instead, they're between good and best. Say that with me, best. So we've got to look at this and we've got to see that, that the difficult choices are often not between good and bad, but they're between good and best. And if our enemy can't make us bad, he'll make us busy with all kinds of distractions of life. So how do we do this? How do we, with God's help, become people who will, who will not have as many distractions in our lives so we can focus on the things of God? Today, I want to give you three thoughts. And friends, these are things that I'm wrestling with in my life. And so I want you to know if you feel any of this, I'm right there with you. And I'm working on these things. So point number one today is we want to diminish the distractions. Diminish the distractions. Friends, I want to distance myself from anything that would tempt me to be distracted. I love the directness of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7.35. He's actually talking about marriage and relationships here. But I want us to see this in a slightly different context here this morning. So let's look at it together. He says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions upon you. So in other words, just push pause on that for just a minute. He's saying, this is not, I don't want to be legalistic. I don't want to place restrictions on you. But what I'm going to say is for your what? For your benefit. He says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. He says, I don't want you to accept average or mundane. So we need to be focused on the things of God. Not that there are bad things going on, they're just not the best thing. So what is something in our life that maybe many of us have that ends up being a distraction in, in our worlds? It's not, it's not a bad thing, it's just maybe not the very best thing. How about this little device called the cell phone? Many of us, our lives have been affected by this, both in positive ways and maybe in negative ways as well. One positive way, just a few days ago, I was over at a friend's house and his young children spilled super glue all over their brand new kitchen cabinets. Can you feel that pain? 
Yeah, his kids almost felt it too, but I restrained him. So I grab my phone, I go to Google, how to remove super glue from kitchen cabinets, and up pops an answer. So here I am like MacGyver shouting out, bring me this, bring me this, bring me this. We assemble all these components and we were able to save the day with the kitchen cabinets. All thank you to Google for what to do, right? So phones are not a bad thing. The internet is not a bad thing in and of itself. It does a lot of good, but it's something that's only been around for two decades and there have been people for thousands and thousands of years who managed to live lives successfully and not have a phone in their pocket all the time. And if you're like me and some of the people that I know, when your phone is more than five feet away, you begin to shake and get this twitch. Where's my phone? Who has my phone? Right? Do I have it? And our worlds have been just comprised of everything that's on a cell phone. Uh, my phone is over there in that chair about 50 feet away from me because I don't want the distraction of having to look at the clock while I preach this message. So I get to talk as long as I want, I guess. Now, there's actually plenty of clocks back in the back. The production team will remind me of that as well. Let's talk about social media for a minute because, again, social media is not a bad thing in and of itself, but I did a bit of research on this, and I found that the average American actually spends two hours a day on social media. We are scrolling through, liking comments, posting things, searching for different things on social media, all of these feeds that are on a phone right in front of us. If you take that a little bit further, if you're a younger person in the room today and you spend uh, that average two hours a day, which some of you I know with teenagers may go, oh, that's like before lunch, right? Uh, you will spend seven years of your life scrolling and tapping and liking cat videos. Seven years of your life. So there are, are great things that are on social media platforms. It, it's a great thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm saying that maybe perhaps as much time uh, involved in that distraction for us is not exactly God's best. Two hours a day, seven years of your life. I would believe that God might want to do something different with those seven years of your life. It's not bad, just not the best use. Friends, why am I going here today? I'm going here today because your life is too valuable and your God is too great and your calling is too good to be distracted, to be focused on things that are not God's very best. And so I hope that you'll feel that. I hope you'll understand that. I hope you'll grab a hold of that. And so what I want to do is I want to diminish the distractions in my life. In other words, I want to turn my phone over. I want to set it across the room. I want to put it away from me. And that's exactly what I've tried to do uh, in, in seasons, in moments where I really, really need to not be distracted by the ding, by the buzz, by the text message, by the social media, by those things. It's just, just set it aside. It'll be there later when you pick it up. It's totally fine. But we need to have these boundaries in place with whatever the things are that distract us in our lives. I want to diminish the distractions. I like what Solomon says about the immoral woman, but before we go into what he says about the immoral woman, let me tell you, church, what he doesn't say. What Solomon doesn't say is, you know that immoral woman? You need to take her out to dinner. You need to go on a date with her. You need to hang out with her. You need to spend some time with her. 
No, he, he doesn't say that. In fact, we, we see in Proverbs uh, chapter 5, verse 8, he says, stay away from her. Say, stay away. He says, stay away from her. He goes on and says, don't go near the door of her house. Don't go near the door of her house. We need to distance ourselves from things in our life that might distract us. And we need to treat it in the same way that we would a temptation to sin. We need to push it over there and we need to go this direction. So friends, what are the things in your life that distract you from the things of God? What are the things in your life that keep you from God's best? And what will you do to diminish the distractions? I, I love what we see in, in Proverbs chapter 4 in the Passion Translation. And this is under the, the point of focus on the important. Again, we're focusing on the important. In Proverbs chapter 4, he says, set your gaze on the path before you. Set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, with fixed purpose. Look straight ahead and ignore life's distractions. I don't know about you guys, but perhaps you need to join me in saying, I want to have a fixed purpose in going after the things of God. I want to have a fixed purpose that is on Jesus and on Jesus alone. The author to the Hebrews says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus let us fix our eyes, not let us glance at him once a week on Sunday when we come to church or let me think about him every now and then, but instead let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So we go back to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 26, and it ends with this. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth and the road will be safe and smooth for you. When I was 18 years old, I was a counselor at a summer camp in Amarillo, Texas. This was a camp that I had grown up in. I had gone there for elementary school camp and middle school camp. And finally at 18, I was to the age where I could be a junior counselor. So they put me in a cabin with a bunch of middle school stinky boys. I had another person who helped me out in that cabin. But the whole week, all these middle school boys wanted to do is just play pranks on us all week long. It's why I learned so many things that helped me out in my 17 years of youth ministry here at Union Chapel. Ah. But on the last day of camp, we had, we had been in the water, we had played in the river, we had hiked mountains, we had done all kinds of things. And so all of our clothing was just trashed. I mean, wet clothes, wadded up, stuffed in a bag, old tennis shoes, sneakers, stinky, smelly. If you're a parent of someone who's done serve week and stayed here all week, Imagine that bag that you have to like wear a mask when you unzip it after they bring it home to you. It's got all kinds of stink and nasty smell in there. That was my bag. So I had my last semi-clean outfit on. By that I mean a t-shirt I had only worn twice and a pair of shorts that I had only gone in the river once that week. So I was wearing that and I had packed everything else in my duffel bag inside the cabin. I opened the doors to this rustic cabin. It's got some concrete steps that are about six foot, uh, no real railing. It's just kind of out in the woods. And there are two or 300 campers at this, all at these different cabins. And, and I look on the last day, we're about to load up the van and drive six hours away back home. I open up the door and I see that I am surrounded by 15 middle school boys and they are armed to the teeth with water balloons ready to just pulverize me. They've even got a, a backup supply of water guns and water balloons, and they're just ready to go to town. I thought, oh, this is not a good thing. This is not good. I'm distracted because I'm just trying to walk out the door, and then I see these kids ready to ambush me. I say, oh, wait. I'll go in, 
grab my duffel bag. I'll use my bag as a shield. Launch myself off the edge of that porch using my bag to defend myself against these water balloons. It was a good thought, in theory. Grab my bag, get to the edge of that porch, take the leap, realize about midair that my bag, which weighed 100 pounds with dirty clothes in it, is going to pull me forward this direction. You see, in my mind, what was supposed to land six feet below on the concrete steps was my feet, not my chin. So I did one of these. I went straight this way. My chin hits that jagged concrete step. The chins of all of the middle school boys around me just drop in agony because they can feel and hear the excruciating pain. My hand goes up to the bottom of my chin and I just cup at the bottom of my chin. I realize it's going to be a bad day when I feel something running down my arm. I had gashed open my chin all the way to the muscle. Mind you, I am the counselor. I am the responsible one. I am the one who is supposed to be in charge of this moment. I wasn't. And so I also have a great fear of needles. Absolutely hate them. And I knew that stitches are require a needle. And so they haul me down to this little medical staff camp where some 12-year-old in a red lifeguard shirt has a Ziploc bag with some Band-Aids. And I say, hey, can we just like put a butterfly patch on this and call it a day? All while blood is just going everywhere. He goes, oh no, oh no. They throw me in this vehicle. Another staff member drives me to the hospital where I get taken care of and I get nine stitches all the way to the muscle in my chin. It was awful. I get hauled back to camp after that ordeal, feeling wonderful. My dignity was just feeling just so great, right? They parade me in front of all the kids and make it an illustration. And I realized that that moment I was suffering pain because of distraction. Remember Proverbs 4, 26 and 27? Let's look at it again. Set your gaze on the path before you. Now friends, we could just stop right there. Because how many times in our lives do we uh, fall? Do we have an issue? Because we don't set our gaze on the path before us. Again, it goes on with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignoring all of life's distractions. And then I love verse 26, especially when I think about this scenario in my life. Watch where you're going. Watch where you're going. It continues and says, stick to the path of truth and the road will be smooth for you. Oh, great. It's like this verse was written for my situation of everything that I did in the complete opposite. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus with fixed purpose, pursuing the things of God. But so often the distractions of the things around us hurt us, don't they? They make us fall on our face. It's critical that we focus on the important. I think of Peter when, when he's out in the lake in the boat and, and he sees this figure walking on the water. It's kind of fuzzy. There was a haze that day. The, there was some wind and waves going on. And, and Peter says, um, Jesus, is that you? I, I like to take liberty with the scriptures sometimes. And, and I think that Jesus probably kind of played a joke on the guys. Like, yeah, it's me. What's going on? You know, and he's reacting to him, but they realize it's Jesus. And, and Peter says, Hey, can I come out there with you? Jesus, come on. 
So Peter leaves the safety of the boat, is looking at Jesus, and he takes a step. And he takes another step. And he is walking on top of the water. We're not talking like, oh, it was only an inch thick and it was just an illusion. No, he is out in the water and he is walking on top of the water, eyes locked with Jesus, heart in heart, eyes in eyes. He's taking these steps towards Jesus, but then something happens. And if you're familiar with the story, you know he got distracted. There was wind, there were waves, the the water was beginning to swell around him. And and what Peter did is he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked somewhere else. He looked to the wind, he looked to the waves. And in doing that, he began to sink. How many of you know that you cannot, with equal focus, look at two different things at the same time? You can't do it. I can't stare one of you directly in the eye and across the room look at someone else directly in the eye. I cannot do it. And so here's Peter. His eyes are fixed with Jesus. He's walking on top of the water. He gets distracted. He looks at the distraction, takes his eyes off Jesus, and he begins to sink. Some of us in this room here this morning, we are sinking. And the reason we're sinking is we've taken our focus and our eyes off of Jesus. And we wonder why. We wonder why life begins to cave in around us and we begin to sink lower and lower and lower to the point where we can barely even breathe and keep our head above water. Could it be that if you're sinking today, it's because your focus has not been on Jesus in quite some time? And for sure, it's not right now at this very moment. My challenge to you, and this is an invitation, it's not an exclusion, it's not there's only certain people who are allowed to do this and the rest of us, we are out of luck. No, it's an invitation to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's an invitation to keep in step with the Spirit of God by locking eyes with Jesus and taking a step in the direction that he says. To eliminate the distractions and to for sure not fix our gaze on those distractions. Because that's when we begin to sink. When we look at the wind and we look at the waves, we falter. So only a few things are really important. Martha, Martha, can you feel this? Can you feel God saying this to you? Can you feel the spirit of God in this room right now speaking to your heart saying there's only a few things that are important, indeed only one, and Mary had it right. We need to diminish and distance ourselves from the distractions. We need to focus on what's important. And number three, With everything within me, and I would encourage you with everything within you to listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. I love the imagery that we see in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It says this, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You don't have to lift your hand right now. You don't have to identify yourself in any way, but I wonder if there is anyone in this room who needs God to whisper, this is the way, walk in it. Maybe it's a decision that you have to make. Maybe it's a challenging moment that you have going on in your life. Maybe it's something physical, something spiritual where you need God's divine direction to speak to you, to guide you, to show you the way to walk 
And I love the fact that we can listen to and we can tune into the voice of God because as we see in Isaiah 30, 21, your ears, if they're listening, will hear the voice of God say, this is the way, walk in it. And I love the imagery of that. It's almost as if the Spirit of God whispers to us. Some things that the Spirit of God might whisper to you might be, wait a minute. Ah, not yet. My timing is not right for that. Or you may hear this, you may hear, yes, now, now go, now do, now act. The Spirit of God will listen to us, or will speak to us if we will listen. But what I've found in my life is if there are so many distractions, if, if the world around me is so loud, and even by the things that I have created, the music is blaring, the kids are blaring, life is blaring, it's hard to hear God, isn't it? Get away for a moment. Escape for a minute. I know some of you would say, oh, but, 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 but this, but that, but is your relationship with God worth it? Because what I can guarantee is that my relationship as a father, my relationship as a husband, my relationship as a pastor will be so much more effective if I've taken care of the number one relationship, which is my relationship with my heavenly father. And so for you, I can tell you this because I have seen this in my life. As I slow down, as I allow God to speak to me, God will use me. But when I blaze through life so fast, just moving, 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 I get busy. And when I get busy, I feel the weight. And as my mother reminded me, being under Satan's yoke is being busy. Maybe you feel that way today. Maybe you'd like to hear the voice of God today. Maybe you've never heard the voice of God. There's an invitation that I want to present to you today to hear the voice of God. God speaks to us through the scriptures. He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. He speaks to us through words in a song that we might sing or that you may hear. He speaks to us through messages, through sermons, through friends, through relationships. But God will direct you if you will have ears to hear the voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I love the fact that God is a speaking God. You go all the way back to Genesis and you see that God spoke things into creation. So God is a speaking God. Why would he withhold speaking to you, his creation? Why would he withhold speaking to the one whom he loves the most? Why would he withhold that from you? He won't. But so many times he's speaking, but we're dialed into a different frequency. We are listening to a different channel. Then God is trying to speak to us. He's trying to tell us, uh, something about ourselves. He's trying to say who we are to him, how we're special, how we're uniquely created, how we're loved, how God has a plan in store for us, how God wants to use us in a profound way. But so many times we go through life at the, the speed of light, distracted by all these things. What I have realized is God does not yell. He speaks. And oftentimes he whispers. And it's so important for us to get with him, to get in a space where we can hear what he has to say to us, to listen to the voice of God. I know that life gets very, very busy. 
I know that there are a lot of things that press in for our time. But friends, I can tell you this. Your life is too valuable, your calling is too great, and your God is too good to miss this. And so what I want to do, I want to take a couple minutes here in this space to free ourselves completely from anything that would happen afterwards and to allow us to hear what God has to say to us. And so if you have anything in your hands, maybe you're holding a pen, a bulletin, a purse, a cell phone, um, just set it aside for just a moment and just allow me just to lead us into a place where we can just invite God to allow us to experience this message instead of just hear it. Let's pray together. God, I ask right now that you would help us today. Lord, we live in a world that just, just hits us from all sides. There are distractions, and, and, and many times they're good things. They're not bad things. They're good things, but they're not the very best thing for us. And so right now in this place, I just invite you to speak to us. I invite you to, to take the things from this message that we heard, that we felt like that's where I'm living, that's what I need to do. But instead of just leaving that in this place, I pray that you would seal it upon our hearts with your Holy Spirit. And so across this room, I invite you, God, to speak to us. There are those in this room who have not listened to and have not heard the voice of God in a long time. And perhaps even for the first time today, God, I pray you would give us the power to listen, to seek first the kingdom of God in our lives. God, direct our steps and, and give us the, the, the power of God to choose to eliminate distractions. Some of you all across this room, I believe today, and this has happened in every single one of our services so far, you've been honest with God and you've been real. I believe there are folks in this room who are not living a spiritual story that is good right now. But God wants to change that. You may acknowledge that you grew up in church, that you once had a relationship with God, but that is all so distant at this point. You don't hear his voice. You don't walk with him. Your eyes are fixed on other things and not in the eyes of Jesus. You may be a person who says, I, you know, I've never even really been to this church before. I've never really even plugged in to the spiritual direction that God has. Well, today's a great day to do that. I believe that the spirit of God is is speaking to people right around this room right now. You may not understand or feel or know what that is, but there's something drawing you right now to a deeper relationship or to begin a relationship with Jesus. And what that is, friends, that's the goodness, it's the grace of God. Because God sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to go to the cross, to be the penalty, to pay for our sins, yours, mine, and the penalty of all of creation. And right now, I believe God is grabbing a hold of hearts all across this room. And friends, you have an opportunity to respond to that. You see, I believe there's people who need to say yes to Jesus today and invite him to be the focus of their life right now today. To see the goodness, the grace of God, it's a free gift. But it cost Jesus Christ, God's son, everything when he went to the cross. And so right here in this place, if you are drawn to make Jesus Christ your focus, if you feel the desire, the need, the nudging to make Jesus Christ the number one priority of your life for the first time today or maybe the first time in a long time, would you lift your hand? This is between you and God, but I would love to pray for you. Thank you. Three or four hands over here. I just want to acknowledge you so you can thank you for those.
Still hands going up around the room. I can't see everybody, but I know that God is responding and God knows your need and he knows the desire of your heart. I lost count at 10 or 11 hands that were lifted up in this room today who say, I want Jesus to be number one. I want to follow you. And so what I want to do, church, I want to invite every single person in this room, everyone, to lift up every voice and repeat this prayer after me. Do it loud and do it with confidence. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life today. Lead and guide me. Help me to diminish the distractions. Help me to focus on what's important. Help me to listen to the voice of God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.